and welcome to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, your host, and as always, I'm really glad you have joined us. The news has been pretty bad in recent weeks when it comes to the coronavirus pandemic. Cases have been surging nationwide, and hospitals are bracing for a long, dark winter. But yesterday, we got what looks like a little bit of hope. Pharmaceutical giant Pfizer announced that its vaccine is more than 90% effective at preventing COVID-19, at least based on clinical results. And that's far above the standard that was set by the Food and Drug Administration, which said that 50% effectiveness was required for emergency use. This is the first vaccine for the novel coronavirus to exceed that mark, and it's raising hopes that a return to relative normality might be on the horizon. But there is still a long way to go before we get there. Here to talk about the latest coronavirus news is Dr. Tina Chopra. She is Wayne State University Associate Professor of Internal Medicine in the Division of Infectious Diseases. Dr. Chopra, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Uh, thank you for having me. Good morning. Yes. So let's start with how significant this news from Pfizer is about its vaccine trial. Sure. I think it's very, very encouraging as a scientist, as a researcher. I think it's a testament to how quickly research is uh, moving in this field. Uh, we have to keep in mind that it is a, this is an interim analysis, which is like a peek at the analysis before the uh, uh, entire data is analyzed. And even if it's interim analysis, it definitely gives us a light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we we can draw a lot of uh, good, uh, meaningful uh, conclusions from this data. Uh, but, of course, uh, I am still interested to see the safety data, which should be out um, before they file for the FDA clearance. And also, uh, it'll be, um, I would like to know more about the data, which um, obviously will take time as they complete their analysis. I would like to see how well the vaccine prevents severe disease, for example, mm -hmm and also how well it prevents infection in subgroups like elderly um, as well. Mm. So, you know, those are the few things that we have to look at, but definitely I think it's a, it's a light at the end of the tunnel, and uh, it's very, very encouraging. So 90% so effective is what Pfizer says. I'm, I'm somebody who doesn't live at all in the world of professional science, and and I know what that would mean in lay terms, uh, but but give us a sense of scientifically what that means that it's ninety percent effective. Sure. Um, so uh, vaccine efficacy is a ratio. So ratio of how well the vaccine works in people who are infected versus uh, who are vaccinated, then preventing infection in vaccinated individual over preventing infection in unvaccinated individuals. So it's a ratio. And um, so when they looked at their infections, they found that 90% of the infections were actually in those who were not vaccinated, which means that it has 90% efficacy. Hmm. And this is pretty good as compared to even flu and even other vaccines that we have around. And I think um, it is very, very encouraging because, and they were able to find this out very quickly because of the 
rage, like you mentioned, the virus is raging at us. We have a lot of infections. So when you have to test vaccine efficacy, you want a lot of individuals in the trial, large numbers, and you also want a lot of infections. And we we have both in the country. We we reached our 10th million case yesterday in the U.S. So we have ton of infections to prove vaccine efficacy, and that's why we got the results very quickly. And talk about how a vaccine like this works. What is the what is the the sort of active agent uh, in, in a vaccine like this that is able to prevent something that you know, as you just pointed out, is raging in our country right now and is so infectious. I mean, it it seems like it is transmitted so easily from one person to the next, or from. Uh, or among groups of, of people, what is it that Pfizer has come across that's that's been able to, to stop that? Sure. So they've u- this is an mRNA vaccine. So they've used an mRNA in this vaccine, and uh, which is uh, which is which is a genetic element that used the spike protein as a target. So um, this is the good news that the spike protein was is the target and it works because virtually every one of the other vaccines that are being currently tested are also using the spike protein as a target. So that that is definitely good news for all of the other vaccines as well. You know the ones that are being um, that are under trial. So um, the mRNA works and that is another good news and um, so. All in all, it's very exciting, and um, we we now know that we have something that will eventually come out that will uh, be useful for for our community. Mm. Uh, also, give us a sense of what needs to happen next. So Pfizer comes out and says we think this is ninety percent effective. People get excited, and and I was one of them who who thought, well, this is turning a corner. But how how long and what needs to happen before then we actually have a vaccine that's able to be distributed among the population? Sure. So those are great questions. So first of all, Pfizer will apply to the FDA for an emergency use authorization. And that they can do in, an, in the next two weeks because that will make it around two months since the volunteers got their second dose of the vaccine. And FDA requires vaccine makers for at least two months of safety data before they can apply for authorization. And after that, um, you know, they obviously when, when we want to talk about manufacturing and distribution, this is a vaccine that is stored in, in, in the cold, in the refrigerator. So they have to globally supply the vaccine to the population. And we have to remind ourselves that these are two doses of the vaccine, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, all of those things can take time. And to have enough numbers for two doses for everybody is also important. But as per Pfizer, they do claim that they have started manufacturing um, millions and millions of, do- of doses, which is also very promising. Um, I'm talking with Dr. Tina Chopra. She's Associate Professor of Internal Medicine in the Division of Infectious Diseases at the Wayne State University School of Medicine. We're talking about the big news uh, over, over the last 24 hours that pharmaceutical giant Pfizer has developed a potential vaccine, a very promising vaccine for the coronavirus that uh, they say has been 90% effective. We're talking about what's next, how quickly this might develop into a solution 
to the pandemic, which again is really picking up steam as we get into winter. Uh, the, the number of cases is going up. Uh, deaths are going up again in hospitalizations. Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. What's your reaction to this announcement by Pfizer that its coronavirus vaccine is 90% effective in clinical trials? Does it give you some hope for returning to some semblance of normal life? which none of us have really experienced at all since about March of this year? Or are you skeptical about this idea that a vaccine could have been developed so quickly? Uh, we really want to know, would you go out and get this vaccine once it becomes available? As of last month, about half of all Americans said they would not be getting a vaccine as soon as it's available because they would be worried about potential side effects. Also, do you have faith that uh, President-elect Joe Biden will be able to handle the the pandemic in a different and more effective way uh, than President Trump has been able to do so far. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter and put comments there, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Uh, Dr. Chopra, I want to talk about this this effectiveness of the vaccine once it's once it's made available, if you have 50 to 60 percent of Americans who say they're not really willing to do it when it first becomes available, does that make it way less effective in getting us back to normal? That, that's absolutely true. We, uh, when we have a vaccine, we have to remember that vaccine trials are event driven and they go through the entire process of uh, understanding and analyzing the safety and efficacy of the vaccine. So once it is available, it is very safe for the community to use, um, just like the flu vaccine. So um, the more people take the vaccine, the more chances are that we can get through this nightmare very quickly. And and what about things like side effects? I mean, I, I assume that the 50 to 60 percent of people who say they won't take it up up front are concerned that uh, this has been so fast and and kind of rushed because of the, the 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 danger from from the coronavirus pandemic and that we don't know enough about it that we won't know enough about it by the time they're distributing it and that there could be side effects that might be just as bad or worse than than COVID-19 what's the confidence we should have in a vaccine that uh, that's that's developed this quickly and, and made available, that it won't make people sick in another way? Sure. Those are great questions. The first thing that we want to remind ourselves is the vaccine is um, available to us so quickly because we have a lot of cases. You know, we have reached 10 million cases in the U.S. So and we, we have a lot of uh, patients enrolled in the trial. Mm. So th those are the two reasons why we were able to get some results from the vaccine that we are talking about. And the second thing is the, the FDA wouldn't just approve the vaccine without safety and efficacy data. And that's why I said up front that I would be very interested to look at safety efficacy data. I would also very much uh, be interested once they complete the analysis of all the patients that they wish to enroll what were the subgroup analysis? What was the analysis on patients who had severe infection and such? And once we have those, only then the vaccine would be distributed. So we as a community should be should believe in science and believe in the process and let the process happen. Uh, the process is still not completed. This is interim analysis. Mm. 
Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Let's go to Liz in Garden City. Liz, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm in the high-risk group, um, recent cancer survivor, and I'm very, I, very reluctant to, to believe in this quick of a process and that short-term duration, like two months, mm. on uh, figuring out the efficacy of it or the safety of it. I, you know, in my treatment... I read the studies, and I really looked into the research and the data, and what I found was my doctors were trying to convince me to do treatments that weren't in my best interest. They tried harassing me. They threatened to cancel my surgery. They used a lot of coercion. They 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 misrepresented the um, the calculations, the percentages on what a benefit it would be for me. So I have a really big distrust of that mm. kinds of things because I know they can manipulate those numbers to make them look good when in fact, you know, maybe the cost benefit isn't there. Yeah, so, uh, Liz, I think that's a that's a really uh, I think there's a really common apprehension that people that some people have. Uh, Dr. Chopra, what about People like Liz, who, uh, like she said, is in the high high risk category and nervous about uh, about a, a vaccine that's been developed as fast. Is there is there a different risk from the vaccine to different kinds of populations uh, who sure. take it? Yeah, yeah. Those are great questions, Liz. And sorry that uh, you you have been through um, uh, these experiences, but I would say that. Um, Again, we need more data. We need to understand this data in different subgroups um, and how it pre- prevents severe infection, particularly in different age groups, in different uh, uh, diverse population, and then we should uh, draw conclusions. So we have to see that data. It's yet to come. So it's too early to, to uh, look at subgroup analysis at this point. But yes, you know this this interim analysis is promising for uh, for the entire community. It gives us hope, and um, we know that uh, hope sustains life. And we know that we are in the midst of this nightmare, and we want to get over it. And uh, we need newer um, scientific research to get get us through. And that's what we have at this point. Mm. Thank you again, Liz, for the call uh, and the questions, and and of course, good luck. Continued good luck uh, with with your treatment. Let, let's go to Linda in Detroit. Linda, welcome to the show. Good morning. Hi. Um, or good evening, depending on what time this is. <laughs> Look, I got to tell you, I, I through, truly, truly believe that the 50 to 60 percent rate of disbelief is directly related to our current administration's attack on science, attack on professionals for the last nine, ten months. That is going to be almost insurmountable. Mm. And I don't know how this country is going to recover because of the damage that has been done. I am afraid of this vaccine because it has seemed so rushed to me. And I'm normally very, very trusting. It's very concerning to me. Uh, Linda, I, I I really appreciate that call and you sharing your your concerns. It's a great it's a great point to raise. 
Dr. Chopra, the way that this administration has handled the pandemic, I think, has has shaken a lot of people's faith uh, in government being able to to manage public health. But also, as Linda points out, there have been some very aggressive attacks on the idea of science and the idea of science carrying the day and debates about what we should do and shouldn't do. Does that complicate the picture for acceptance of, of, of the idea of a vaccine? I mean, like someone like Linda who says, look, normally I'd be all about this, but I'm worried because of the questions that have been raised about science. Sure. You know, I would never let politics uh, mix up with science. I would uh, always uh, look at what we have done in the past and how we've come across and uh, overcome several other pandemics. We've overcome several other outbreaks, including measles and hepatitis A in our country and, um, uh, you know, influenza every year. So uh, as a scientist, you know, I can only speak as a scientist and tell you that um, we have some amazing research going on, on and um, we w- we should uh, look at the data and then decide for ourselves. I understand the mistrust, but um, with um, uh, you know new changes happening in in the in the in the nation, uh, definitely we need a more national strategy to fight COVID. Mm. Uh, again, Linda, really appreciate the call and uh, you sharing your concerns. Let's go to Sharon in Lake Orion. Sharon, welcome to the show. Hi, good morning. Hey. Good morning, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Uh, my question is, is this the vaccine that they're calling the warp speed vaccine? And if so, um, why is the military so heavily invested in this? Why is the Pentagon, you know, into this Mm. and will this vaccine be mandated or will we have a vaccine choice Mm. Uh, great question sharon i i I don't know what that means the warp speed vaccine Uh, dr chopra do you are you familiar with that term no i'm actually not familiar with that but i can tell you there are other vaccines as well that are um, uh, in phase three trials Uh, you know this is the pfizer vaccine the other are the moderna and um, the AstraZeneca as well as J&J, Johnson & Johnson have vaccines as well. And th- this uh, particular news is very um, encouraging for all um, uh, the companies that are manufacturing the vaccine because they've also targeted the same spike protein. So mm. scientific to the scientific community, this is extremely encouraging because we just don't need one vaccine. One kind of vaccine uh, from Pfizer is not enough to be distributed globally for everybody. We need tons and tons of vaccine, and so um, we we will look at all of those vaccines. And again, you know, there should be um, heavy emphasis on the data, and then decisions should be made to take the vaccine. Hmm. Okay, Dr. Tina, Top- Tina Chopra, Associate Professor of Internal Medicine at the Division of Infectious Diseases at Wayne State University School of Medicine. Thanks very much for being with us here to explain all this to our listeners. Thank you. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the Affordable Care Act, which is in front of the Supreme Court again today. I'm going to speak with two of our favorite people on the show about what to expect. Julie Rovner of Kaiser Health News and Dahlia Lithwick of Slate will join us next. Stay with us for more Detroit Today. 